This episode is brought to you by Aircraft Accessories of Oklahoma. When it's time for an aircraft component inspection, overhaul, repair, or replacement, you need experienced technicians you can trust and friendly service you can count on. Aircraft Accessories of Oklahoma, a family-owned business since 1959, delivers just that. Our techs have real-world experience and provide sales, service, and overhaul for piston engine aircraft accessories. We also have limited turbine capabilities such as fuel pumps, starter generators, and prop governors. And we can overhaul propellers ranging from fixed pitch to turbine. Propeller pickup and delivery service is available. And one more thing, mention this podcast to receive 5% off your next sale, service, or overhaul. Visit aircraftaccessoriesofok.com. This week, a special episode where all Oshkosh all the time. And I'm here on the AOPA grounds in front of the 39 Lounge. And if there's noise in the background, some of the performers are out today. We've got Aeroshell flying some laps. we got the Ford Tri-Motor out. And general aviation pilots are coming and going. All right, David, you ready to do some hangar talk? Let's see if we can do some hangar talk live from AirVenture. From AOPA, your freedom to fly. This is Hangar Talk. Yeah, 1056, turn right, heading 130, contact final 132.4. Turn right, turn right, turn right. With your hosts, Ian Twombly and David Tulitz. This is Hangar Talk. Welcome to Hangar Talk, everybody. I'm Ian Twombly. And I'm David Tulitz. David, no guests this week. We're going to do all Oshkosh all the time, like we normally do, like we've done for the past couple of years. You're there at the show. Looks like it's a beautiful day. Blue sky behind you. So how's how's it been so far? Well, Ian, so far there has been a, a lot of news here at AirVenture, as there usually is. I'm going to say most of the, the news is high wing news this year, which is unusual. We started the week with a little bit of iffy weather. We'll get to that in a minute. But it's very upbeat. Listen, Ian, they had Women Venture on Wednesday with the largest crowd ever of female aviators. The showgrounds were packed. Eric Blenderman and I flew in in the Cessna 172. We parked on the North 40. And I would say the mood is upbeat. Most people are pretty psyched to be here. And we're seeing more of a return to normalcy here at AirVenture. And speaking of returning to, to normalcy, I went ahead and dropped 350 bucks with my good friends at my GoFlight on some accessories. <laughs> and I know a lot of people nice. are shopping here at, at Oshkosh. Very nice. Okay. But the show started on kind of a somber mood. And that's because longtime chairman, the family really that started EAA, Tompo Berezny, passed away. What the, the Was it the night before or the morning of the first day of Oshkosh this year? It was on the 25th. And Ian, I was here for the opening day air show and part of that air show was a fitting tribute a missing man formation to tom pavaresny and you know mark baker mourned him along with most of the aviation community as you know air venture wasn't even called air venture until he got involved with it you know it's been a family thing and they've grown it to such a a large you know event it's the world's largest general aviation event they like to say on the tower behind me it's even posted you know the world's busiest air control tower yeah so yeah, yeah right. folks yeah. did mourn him when you probably know more about tom Pabrezny than me but although i was at um you know i got involved in aviation in the year 2000 and definitely joined eaa at that time so i yeah. was certainly aware of him yeah i mean eaa really was the Pabrezny's 
organization. I mean, his dad, Paul, started it. Tom, you know, carried the flame. It was it was a family company. I, they grew a lot under Tom's leadership. The story that you'll see on AOPA.org talks about that, you know, Young Eagles program, Air Venture, Sport Pilot. A lot of that has to do with Tom. He retired, what, I don't know what it was, maybe 10 years ago now. Um, and there was that transition that they had to go to go through from a family company to a, a professionally, I don't want to say Tom wasn't professional, but but an outside management, let's call it. But one thing that that people don't talk about a lot anymore, really, is Tom's flying. And so the story talks about this. The I remember they, you know, the Christian Eagles uh, when I was a kid, per, them performing at the show. He was a really accomplished pilot. I had no idea that he actually was an air show pilot. He was on several different air show teams, and I think it's a it's it's fitting. I mean, that makes sense. He was involved in the home built craze and also in the you know, in, in performing. And so that brings a lot of uh, diversity here to AirVenture. And, and Tom knew a lot about aviation from the different facets he was involved in. Yeah. And uh, we're shown here on the screen, it's like him and Charlie Hilliard and Gene Susie flying those. They're in front of the Eagles, the Christian Eagles. And I just remember they were loud and Oh, it was so cool. Uh, they flew together for 25 years. So pretty amazing stuff. That's and, a That's a great run. That's a great run. Yeah. It is amazing. So just uh, an incredible legacy and a, and a sad day to, to open the show. Yeah, and you know that uh, museum this year, Ian, for the first time, has the Pilot Proficiency Center inside the museum yeah. um, at 3000 Pabaresny Way. And that's you know right in front of the Pioneer Airport field. So absolutely uh, a great loss for GA, but his legacy lives on. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So um, the show must go on, of course, and uh, I'm sure that uh, Tom was a firm believer in that. And one thing that's special that's happening at the show this year, and I, th- I don't think we've ever done it before AOPA, is the Sweeps winner is coming to pick up his airplane at the show. That's right, Ian. Alex Brown from California, uh, who was surprised by Mark Baker and Colin Sagnito just about a week ago, is going to be here at the AOPA campus to pick up that, uh, I see it right across the way, that Grumman Tiger. And right now it has a big red bow on the top of it. You know, who wouldn't want to have something like that in their hangar or on their ramp? But he'll be here yeah. at the Pilot Town Hall. We're going to present that aircraft to Mr. Brown. And I understand he is going to fly it home to California. Uh, some of his family members will be here, Ian. They're going to go home commercially. He's going to get some experience with one of our pilots and get checked out in it so that he could have all the time necessary for his insurance. And so uh, we're really excited for him. And that's going to happen here in a couple hours as we record this. Very cool. So went out to California, Chris Rose and Nikki Britton, under the guise of talking about backcountry, a backcountry interview, he's got, a, I think, what is it, a 185 and a 180? Yeah, he's a, he's already got a couple of a pieces couple of, of aviation gear. I'll take one of them, Alex. You know, just yeah, let that's me right. Know. Yeah, exactly. Mark and yeah, Colin, as you mentioned, came up to uh, to congratulate him. And it's so cool, I think, that he's coming to the show to pick up the airplane. That's a really special thing. So just a really, I think, nice guy, uh, super excited to win. He said he's excited to use the airplane to, I think, give back to the local aviation community. So maybe fly some kids around, that sort of thing. But, you know, next year, if you didn't win, we already got the next sweeps airplane. It's already at the show. It's at the show, Ian. And folks who will be uh, looking at our 
AAPI.org channel will see probably uh, later today or later in the week. We had the night air show last night, the Wednesday night air show, and I photographed that, and I've got a really nice photo of fireworks over the Cessna 170. It's here. That was in honor of Mike Collins, who shot a tremendous Cessna 170 photo a couple of years ago here with fireworks. But yes, the Cessna 170 is here. Eric Webb flew it up. Kayla McLeod helped uh, procure it and get some work done on it down in Georgia. And they are going to fly that out of here in a couple of days. Uh, it's, it's here. It's red. If you haven't seen it, it's, it's white and red. I'm not sure it's going to stay those colors, though. I'm thinking it's going to be upgraded. The interior is in good shape. They're going to make it into an interesting backcountry aircraft, but I understand we're not going to go over the top with it. We're going to keep it in its element. So that's here at the AOPA campus. Real quick, let me just mention at the AOPA campus, for folks who haven't been able to come to visit us here, maybe we'll see you next year, but I wanted to let you know we are having a pilot town hall. Mark Baker is going to speak. Mm -hmm. The 200th Flying Club, those folks are going to be introduced. That's a place out in Lake Shelby, Illinois. We went and visited them on the way up here. Eric Blenderman and I flew out there. So we're really excited that um, that Tim and his group are going to be here for that. I also wanted to let people know, Ian, you know, I know you were busy this week. Where I sub for you on Ask the A&Ps. Yes. Thank you for doing that. You're welcome. We had a live session here mm -hmm. uh, with with Mike Bush, um, Paul New, and Colleen Sterling. It was fantastic. Standing room only. Yes. And I've I've already fielded a request for another live event like that next year. So yes, please put that on your calendar. I definitely think we're going to do it next year. Yep, we're gonna. So if you haven't checked out, ask the A and P's before. Please do so. It's on the AOPA website under the uh, podcast page. Or you can go out and find it wherever you obviously get podcasts, maybe where you get Hangar Talk. But check it out because especially for owners and even renters, if you're first starting out and wanting to learn a little bit more about maintenance, it's a it's an awesome show. People call it car talk for aviation. And I, you know, I like to think that it's more interesting than car talk, but you know, that's because I like airplanes more than cars. It was a lot of fun. It was great fun. Hey, can I give a shout out to one of our listeners for Hangar yeah, Talk? Go for it. Yeah. So um, Greg Schroeder visited us, visited us live here during the Ask A&Ps, and we, we fielded a question from a former guest, Lincoln Benedict, which was great. So, you know, people had a, a really fun time with that, Ian. And we also, of course, we have serious presentations as well. Richard McSpadden was talking about backcountry, short takeoff and landing events. We had some social media folks here that were talking about, you know, how to build an audience. And we also have our, our core of AOPA workshops and seminars that folks come to depend on us for every year. And we have a virtual reality set up inside for younger people. It's great to see a lot of young people. You know, I also want to mention at EA Air Venture, and, and the Pop Resonies were, um, were involved with this too, and Jack Pelton last year declared he would do this, you know, from years forward. Folks under 18 got in free this year and last year. So that's yet another legacy I thought I'd mention. So we see a lot of young people out here. Yeah, that's good. And so, by the way, that A&P session will be on the stream. So if you missed it live and you want to hear it. Oh, good. Uh, and yeah. hear, and, and this, I love this because they were, you know, they're professionals, right? Paul owns a shop. Mike's got Savvy Aviation. And Colleen teaches A&Ps at a school, also an IA. And she has assessed a Cardinal 177. Yeah, they were so nervous about getting these questions, these pop-up questions. And uh, I thought they handled them great. So check that out on the on the, on the feed, on the Ask the AMPs feed. Yeah, folks can get that. They didn't have to be here to listen to it. We're going to post yeah. it. Uh, Ian, how could they find that? Where could they find the Ask A&P's 
on the podcast and and there's maybe going to be a tv link too, a youtube link yeah yeah so yeah it's just uh just go to aopa.org and search ask the amps or yeah go out to itunes uh you know apple podcasts or or spotify or wherever you listen so yeah absolutely there were some good questions really good yeah questions. there were there were yeah. so getting off oshkosh just for a minute okay i want to talk about just a uh, i know it's a bit of a downer but something that's been really important to aopa and i know a lot of members over the past couple of years and that is fbo fees so recently announced Signature, which had been reluctant to post their fees online, has done so now. They've gone all in. They, they had posted a few kind of here and there at a few locations, but they've finally gone all in. World's largest FBO chain. This is a, this is a really big deal and a big deal for transparency, David. Well, it is, Ian, and, and, and it still is topical to Oshkosh because a lot of folks who flew up here probably either passed through a signature FBO mm-hmm. or they are ramped or based at a signature FBO like I was for a long time in Atlanta mm-hmm. at PDK. Then, you know, making those pricing structures uh, transparent is something we've been trying to do for a long time, and Signature was resistant to it. And, you know, recently they acquired TAC Air, and I wonder mm-hmm. if that might have been some of the impetus for getting that going. That was a big uh, consolidation we talked about last week when Alyssa subbed in for you um, while you were where you were away. But I'm thinking that that's really a good thing. We're going to know how much does it cost if there's a landing fee involved, you know, maybe based on the size of the aircraft, the weight of the aircraft. Is there something that we could find out ahead of time? But now these fees will be posted. You could find them on our airport directory, by the way. That's just a reminder to use the AOPA airport directory. And you can also find some of that through our AOPA app if you're mobile. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so a big win for the GA community, for transparency, and, and hopefully, of course, the idea being not only are you not surprised when you go to a location, but maybe some of this transparency is going to drive a little bit of competition and, and push down these prices in some areas. Sure, absolutely. And, you know, it's, it's a good thing for all of aviation, for everyone to get on board. And let's not land and be surprised by a $50 mystery fee like like yeah. has happened to some folks or even more. Yes. So I think yes. it's a great thing. They're on board. Hopefully we'll find more transparency for a few of the holdouts in the industry. Yep, absolutely. And we'll be right back. Okay, let's bring it back to Oshkosh. That's the fun stuff. Bring it back to my, look, here's my Dunkin' Donuts Oshkosh coffee. And this is like a thermal (laughs) mug, so it'll keep it hot or keep it cold. It it was only $20. And if you've been to Oshkosh, you know, yeah, everything is 20 or 50 bucks, right? Yeah, except for the the brats, which are only 10, right? Yeah. There you go. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so... You know, in recent years, I would say Oshkosh has been, there's been a lot of avionics, right? Across actually all shows, Sun and Fun, Oshkosh, whatever. A lot of a lot of the announcements have been avionics-based. There was a lot of development going on. That, I think, maybe because of supply chain has slowed down a little bit. But And so this year is actually the year of the airframe. And uh, one that was just announced just prior to the show that is really cool, we always love talking about, is the Kodiak. And there's a new one. Yeah, the Kodiak 900. Tom Haynes, I'm going to call him Editor Emeritus. There Tom you go, Haynes. Emeritus. Yeah, I like that. He was uh, able to travel out to um, Kodiak land with Chris Rose, and they did a really nice report on the 900. I want to say it looks like a fat, guppy version of the previous Kodiak. <laughs> but it has it has a built-in belly pod, you know. Yes. It, it has more performance packed into it. And, and, you know, they're owned by Dar. I'm probably mispronouncing the French company, uh, based out in Idaho. But it's a backcountry beast, Ian. And it could true out at 205 knots while burning about 430 pounds of jet fuel per hour, Tom wrote in a recent story. 
And yeah, the um, Oshkosh was used as the jumping off showcase for that aircraft. We got a, a preview look uh, at the airplane earlier. And I want to say it's got an upgraded 700 shaft horsepower Pratt & Whitney yeah, PT6A. Yeah. yeah, bigger engine. So they did a bigger engine. I think they worked on, well, the big thing is the fairing apparently on the on the belly pod. So that's not going to be standard. It looks integrated. And so it is kind of a guppy look. Maybe not uh, the prettiest look ever, but I do think it'll be popular. They, it's not replacing the 100. It'll be an addition to. So this is the, you know, TBM used this strategy with the two airplanes. It always surprises me, but, you know, you're talking about, what, 35 knots, a longer cabin, which I think is important. They said it can accommodate a couple of double club, which I guess in some parts of the world, maybe in an airline configuration. 37 additional inches, that's three yeah. feet yeah, that's not insignificant, right? <laughs> that's yeah. big, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So they're going to continue to offer both models. I think the 900 is going to go for, what did they say, about a half a million more. I think I would not be surprised to see it vastly outsell the 100. That's what happened with TBM. It's a cool airplane. You've seen these in person. They are, they're deceptively large. They are. It's a bit. It's a big aircraft. But you know what's interesting? It's big, but it's still able to handle those backcountry strips. And you know, thinking about twelve passengers in that club setting with you know, it's just a versatile cabin. It could really be put to use in places like maybe Alaska, points overseas. You know, unimproved landing strips maybe in Africa where folks really need general aviation to get around. Something like this. It's like a, a multi-tool in your tool belt for that kind of aviation. Yeah, well, and David, I was just, you know, the reason that Alyssa filled in for me is I was on vacation. We flew between a couple of islands. We did it in a Saab 340 because there were like whatever that is, 32 passengers or whatever. But I could see on islands that were less populated, this would be a great back and forth shuttle between these islands, you know, one of these commuters that runs, you know, five times a day sort of thing, do it economically. So yeah, I, I could see some sales for them in, in that area. Absolutely. Very cool airplane. Absolutely. It is a cool airplane. Speaking of airplanes, speaking of turbines, let's talk about Avgas for a while. Okay. And move on to the, the fuel form that we had here. Let's talk about it. Let's do it. So we had a fuel form here at AOPA Air Venture. Folks who have listened to me and Ian talk a little bit about 100 unleaded fuel and uh, what we're trying to do to get the lead out of it know that we've been participating in the PAFI process for years and years. We're in part of the Eagle initiative uh, and we now have a deadline to get unleaded to get the lead out of aviation fuel by a certain date. So up here at AirVenture, Mark Baker and several other GA leaders participated in a fuel forum. And it was pretty popular. I would say it was a packed house over in the um, in the forums area. And it is one of the most important issues facing general aviation today. That's what Mark Baker said when he opened it up. And we had speakers from the FAA. And we also had in the audience someone who's been on our show before, George Brawley from GAMI, who has a G100UL. And I spotted... Chris DaCosta from Swift Fuels in the audience as well. Those are uh, two fuels that are vying for, you know, for GA. And also we want to let people know, as you have mentioned many times, we are fuel agnostic. We want the 
the best fuel for everyone, what's going to work with everybody's aircraft and everyone's engine. And so people in the audience had some good questions, Ian. They wanted to know about the fungibility of that, which we have explained a couple of times. Yes, these fuels will mix with what you have in your airplane already. Mm -hmm. That is the whole point. And um, there was a little bit of back and forth. But, Ian, you know, I don't know that people left convinced. I'm going to be honest with you. I was there <laughs> listening. <laughs> you don't think the one session got them, huh? I don't think so. I think some of it goes over folks' heads, but this is very important. Yeah, it is. Well, of course, I mean, you're talking about something that just from a chemistry standpoint is extremely complicated. You know, the, it's like we would love to wave our wand and say, okay, here's the fuel. It's ready to go, and we're going to start shipping it tomorrow. But, of course, that's just not a reality at this point, and that's the whole point of Eagle is that you get these stakeholders together to try and get down the road. And I think one thing, if you read the quotes and you kind of read between the lines a little bit from the story— you you understand that the the reason that you have to have an initiative like this is because there are competing interests. You know, you've got people who don't want to see changes, who are making money maybe at the fuel that they're selling. You've got people who are trying to innovate a little bit. You've got the manufacturers who I think are probably a little, well, they're just very cautious through this process. So it's, uh, it's not easy. I mean, you, do, you really do have to get all of these people together in order to push this process forward. And that takes time. And it can be frustrating, I think, if you're watching this from, uh, you know, as a, as a consumer, as a pilot. But it, it is what it is. And we have to go through this process. We have to get everybody together and on board. A couple of things I thought were interesting also were, you know, the FAA was in attendance and without irony said that there shouldn't be any barriers to the process and that it should move along smoothly, even though they are the regulator. So yeah, we, we will see. But it was good, I think, even having a, a session like this and standing before the crowd, taking questions, that shows, I think, a, a, a sense of um, openness. Of duty and it's, to the, yeah, yes, it's a sense of duty. It's a sense of transparency. And that's the other thing. We were just talking about Signature being transparent. We want to be transparent with pilots as well. You know, the deadline is 2030 to get uh, the lead out of aviation fuel. So we have a hard deadline. And I, in case folks haven't been paying attention to the Eagle initiative, it is the Eliminate Aviation Gasoline Lead Emissions Initiative, E-A-G-L-E. You can find it at aopa.org slash 100UL. Folks could do a little search for that. But we do have a deadline. And some of the stuff that um, I've been covering, and we've had some meetings in Washington, D.C. and elsewhere, what we had up here, Ian, was a chance to unveil it to the public and uh, be uh, transparent about what's going on and let people know that we are working behind the scenes and this is what we're trying to do. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Great point. David, what, uh, what is going on? Who is singing in the background? I have to know <laughs> what's happening. It's like, you know, it's something out of the 1940s, Ian. Let me look it around and like see it. what we got going on here at AirVenture. Yeah, I, I see the Ford Tri-Motor flying over there in the cool. background. And it just landed, actually. And, you know, it's I think it's a morning, kind of the morning wake-up. Hey, can I mention one thing about the morning wake-up that, yeah. that I did the other day? This was yes. great. It's unbelievable. Yes. Got up the earliest you've ever gotten up to do this, right? Yeah, you know, it's a hard job, and sometimes we have to sacrifice. But, yeah, I got up <laughs> at 4 right. in the morning yesterday, and I met the folks um, from Breitling and Lewis Air Legends. We flew a Warbird mission around Lake Winnebago here. And if you've ever camped at, at AirVenture, one of the wake-up calls 
would be the warbirds cranked up and flying yes. around at 6.30 a.m. in yes. the morning. Even and we stay Rochelle off campus. Guys. Yes. Oh, you, I mean, it's like they're so loud. You can hear it in Appleton probably. It's crazy. Know, I mean, yes. we'd stay in a house nearby, and you, it's a definite. You don't need to set your alarm. But uh, I wanted to thank them for that mission. There's going to be a video posted to that at AAPI.org. AAPI.org. And also, we will also have a, a slideshow. But that was awesome. Ian. I just want to take a minute to thank the folks at Breitling and Lewis Air Legends. But, you know, I was in a B-25, and it sent chills up my, up my spine. Ian, I looked out one of the side windows, and a, and a Grumman Tiger Cat sidled up to the, to the left awesome. flank with two 50, P-51 Mustangs. And I could only imagine what it was That's like awesome. during World War II. I mean, it would be yeah. a... You know, one of those missions would typically have different support aircraft and fighter aircraft and bombers on a run like that. It, it absolutely sent sent chills up my spine. And, you know, we're just so thankful for the folks who kept us, you know, fighting for freedom back in the day. And today, the people who put their heart and souls into keeping those warbirds alive, it's incredible. Yep. Yep. Very cool. That's a, that's a great experience. David, let's let's talk about the two big announcements, the two okay. things that we've left to the end, the cliffhangers. The first is the Sling. Now, Sling has been really going gangbusters. They have a couple of low wings that are very popular, but they had a very special trip to introduce their new high wing version. Indeed, Ian. The week started out on a downer note for the folks at Sling mm. because... We had a, a, a severe thunderstorm that came through here on a Sunday night, and they erected their normal display tent over the three low wings, and the tent got blown down, and the poles damaged all three of their aircrafts. However, they recovered by midweek when three sling high-wing aircraft arrived from a transoceanic um, journey that started in Johannesburg, South Africa. Folks were able to follow them along the way. And the three aircraft landed, um, say today is Thursday, Wednesday afternoon around 2 p.m. to a raucous round of applause, hugs and kisses, and flag waving. And the aircraft themselves are just sexy. I don't know how else to say it. They could be a nose dragger or tail dragger version. And it was just really cool to watch them land. Alicia Heron wrote a story about that. Folks could find that at AOPA.org. Just take a quick search or look on the homepage. But they arrived to a little pomp and circumstance. They parked over near the home built area and then they were able to get uh, wrangled over to the sling exhibit area, which is essentially 20 yards from the AOPA campus. So. Yeah, it was a great uh, welcome reception for them, and kudos to the, all, all the pilots, but special kudos to um, the folks behind the scenes that were making that happen. Can you imagine flying from South Africa, crossing the Atlantic, and then coming up through the states? They overnighted in a couple of areas. They, they were on the ground in Kentucky, and then they made the final push to Air Venture. And they arrived right before you know things were closed for the afternoon air show. So their timing was pretty darn good, too. Well, that is good. Yeah. And I'm looking just at the website now because they had a really nice kind of follow them thing on, on Sling's website. Uh -huh. And so they went through Angola, Ghana, uh, Cape Verde. I've been to Angola. Went, yeah. It might be tough to fly through Angola, but I've been yeah. there. Yeah. 
And they didn't go like up, you know, cause of course, cause it would take them forever, but they didn't go up through Europe and across, you know, Iceland and Greenland. It was like, they went from Cape Verde to Barbados, then right. the Bahamas. Now they had to stuff. have, they had to have some ferry tanks installed. So the airplanes yep. were modified for the trip just to be, to be clear about that. Yeah, but still, I mean, you're talking about I, that that leg. I think was two thousand miles. Can you believe miles? that? Two thousand yeah, miles. Incredible, incredible Ooh. stuff. So very cool to see them there. Have you been by to to see the airplanes in person? Yeah, yeah, I have. I, I uh, documented them arriving. You know, I got a really nice moment when when one of the pilots was uh, greeted by his fiance and I, I it was just as a photojournalist it was the stuff that you live for oh, you, you nice. know it was a good yeah. celebration and uh, and it was a surprise too but no the airplanes are they are right behind us uh, literally and yes they are slick i actually helped them turn off the efis display on one of them because i noticed that it was still on while they were smooching and hugging and stuff i was like hey <laughs> you're like you're gonna have you a dead know. battery yeah yeah so i was I went, went over to uh to, to Matt Cohen, one of the pilots, said, "Hey, you know, can I help you out here by turning it off?" And so, yes, answer was yes. So, um, I think folks will um will have a, a a good look at them here at Air Venture. They can also, of course, potentially purchase the aircraft. Mm-hmm. I want to say that uh, when I was talking to other Matt um, from California, that they're in the th- mid three hundred thousand dollar range. So it's nothing to sneeze at. But it is less than, say, a typical Cessna yeah, typical 172. Yeah. So yeah, that, which is right. sort of how we how we kind of think about it. The Cessna 172, the Piper, you know, T100i, that kind of thing. We're kind of in that area. Yeah. Right. Right. So, David, I think the probably the biggest news for the light GA fan uh, out of the show, and something that you guys teased uh, at the last show, is the RV15. So you're getting to see it now in person, um, and it is well, it's just. Dave, I thought wrote a great story. Dave Hirschman, um, you've got some great photos there. It's a really interesting airplane, proportionally, maybe not what you expected. And you know, Ian, I was able to get a sneak peek at that aircraft with Dave Hirschman. We went over to a hangar nearby. We talked to Axel Alvarez, who's the test pilot for this aircraft. He gave us a great walk around. You know, it's got a couple of things that stood out to me that were kind of cool. It's got an overhead manual flap handle. It reminded me of the Mooney Johnson bar that I had in the Mooney's, um, you know, that deploys the this deploys the flaps. The flaps go out in to 55-0 degrees. And Axel wrote in Sharpie on the, I wanna, it's not really a headliner because there's nothing really lined in the, the inside of the aircraft, but wrote in Sharpie right above the I guess the the windscreen uh, 50 degrees dash oh crap you know (laughs) yeah right exactly it's pretty funny but uh, push rock controls it's um, it's really interesting it's got a large rudder and a stabilator so Mm -hmm. I think that the future might hold a seaplane version for this aircraft Mm -hmm. perhaps I do know that we were talking about the unique suspension, you know, the landing gear. There's a pneumatic shock that's inside the airframe, Ian, that links the left and right landing gear, but it doesn't obstruct the pilot in any way. It's more or less sandwiched, you know, underneath the the cockpit area. And I'm sure they'll do some cleanup on the outside and maybe get some of the 
the you know metal a little bit more streamlined but that is an interesting concept and it's going to have a patent pending conventional tail wheel which has got sort of a trapezoidal arrangement with a vertical pneumatic air oil shock which is very similar to a telescopic fork in a motorcycle so this hmm. is some really interesting technology. Of course, Dave Hershman speculated early on that the aircraft might hold four seats. I think realistically, it might be three seats. It's actually yeah. the interior of the cockpit is more narrow than you would think mm -hmm. when you look at it. But the really cool aspect of it is the doors are just clear glass. They came off on the test aircraft anyway. They came off by pulling two pins. So I could see this as a, perhaps a photo ship for hmm. the kind of um, aviation photography that we do sometimes. Very cool, yeah. Or in, in any kind of a backcountry ship, it would be really neat to be able to load more stuff in that way. It is gonna have a baggage door on it, uh, by the way, which wasn't on this one yet. And Ian, when they unveiled it here at AirVenture, they actually moved the unveiling up a day because there was so much, so much interest. And, uh, you know, it's this year's van's 50th anniversary anyway. Mm -hmm. But that unveiling, the physical unveiling at 10 a.m. that day drew a huge, huge crowd. And people were climbing all over that airplane. And it's just, it was fascinating. Yeah, well, and if and if the initial interest is any indication, this thing is going to sell faster than they can build it, which is already kind of a problem for a lot of the kit manufacturers. They said people are sending in unsolicited deposits. Right. So I guess it's like you send them a big fat check and you're like, I want an RV-15. I don't know what the but deposit is, but I want but one. But they're sending them back. And they uh, send Van, them back. No, yes. Dick Van Grunsman told us they're sending them back. In fact, if yeah. folks could listen to the video, you'll, there's a nice little interview with, uh, with Dick, Dick Van Grunsman on that. But he said, he told Dave Hirschman and I that they are sending the money back. Because yep. they're not ready. Yep. They're not quite ready. It's a proof of concept. You know, I think That's it's right. going to happen for sure. And I think people will be lining up for that, bucking rivets and ready oh, yeah. to go with that bad boy. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So obviously a departure for Vans Aircraft because all yeah, the others have been sure. yeah, low wings and, and not, you know, backcountry has absolutely not been a focus. But they're smart to go this way because obviously there's a lot of growth in that area. We see there that is. from Cub Crafters and... Aviad and, and all kinds of others who are getting into that area. Obviously, the experimental community is huge there. So that's so oh, cool. Oh, it's fascinating. I, I don't see why more manufacturers won't do that. I mean, that's a great idea. You know? Yeah, it's very cool. Um, and I love you can stand up under it. It's, it's really yeah. quite tall on yeah. here. Yeah. So, you yeah, can stand you're going to whack well, your head. Well, well, it is tall, but I will tell you this. Um, that the, um, the test pilot and the engineers told us they really scrutinized that deck angle, Ian, for taxiing and on the ground maneuvering. There, There's a definite balance that Vans Aircraft was seeking. They didn't want it to be too severe of a deck angle where it would hinder taxiing that much. So the I've not taxied yeah, it, of safety. course. Yeah. Right, right. But that safety is a big part of the Vans total picture. So it, it's not as severe of a deck angle as you would think on a tail dragger designed like that. And there was a reason for that. Also, you know, we're taking a quick look on the video in, on the interior. The stick itself, the control stick, has a little bit of a bow in it so that you could slide the slide seats forward in. and backwards. Yeah, yeah, get in and get your yeah. legs behind the stick uh, without, you know, without getting jammed in there. So there was a lot of human touches, you know, human factors involved in this aircraft.
Yeah, I completely agree. I think it's going to be a big winner. I think, you know, they're going to see big time sales, especially from a whole new group of folks. I mean, I think there were, uh, the company is starting to garner some more folks who are coming from the certified world and are just want more for their money. I think we've seen that in the past couple of years where it used to be obviously primarily home builders, but I think this will draw many more from the certified community into that experimental community. And I think there'll be a big demand for something that's just been ramping up the past couple of years, which is these um, professionally built experimental airplanes. So contracting out the build so that uh, an owner can have the airplane they want, but doesn't have to be involved in the build process if they're not confident or not interested in doing that. Right, right, you are. And speaking of the build process, I want to say that you know uh, the aircraft has their normal looking wing. It's mm-hmm. a constant cord wing that makes it easier for builders to build it. And there are instead of there instead of you know two people bucking rivets, the the way that you do this are it's a pull rivet design. Pull rivet, yeah. Um, and so you know. I've never done that before, but I can understand how it could be easier, and mm-hmm. it could be a solo one-person job. Yeah, that's right. But um, so that's another you know design characteristic, a build characteristic, if you will, to kind of simplify things. And um, you know those Fowler flaps were just amazing. I mean, this <laughs> I can't tell you how big those flaps are. It's just it's tremendous. Yeah, and I'm with you. I love that overhead pull handle. That's that's very cool. I love stuff. that. It's a great idea. Yeah. You know, when you see yeah. some of the um, backcountry style competitions, other aircraft have something like that. You know, mm-hmm. it, it, and so it, it, I guess that might help you out when you've got your hands on the stick and the other hand is up there. I I don't know. I haven't done much stall stol work, but I would imagine having complete control manual like that and not having an electric motor really gives you that finesse that you need. Yeah, that's right. David, I think I think we covered the big stuff. I think that's kind of it. We had some big stuff to cover, Ian. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So you're, as they say, you're here all week. So I'm sure there'll be more. You're drinking your Dunkin'. Yeah, there, there'll be more uh, to report on that we'll talk about in the next show. And of course, we'll go back to a normal format, have a guest. But for now, I know you have got a very busy day, so I think that's all the time we have. Ian, thank you very much for uh, for being with us. You know, on the other end of this and trying to keep us walking the straight and narrow. We had a great time here at EA AirVenture broadcasting this for Hangar Talk. I want to also remind folks that um, this is now going to be our seventh season that we're fixing to enter. Thanks very much to the two or three listeners that have stayed with yeah. us this whole way. Well, I think we're up to four or five by now, yeah. <laughs> well, we are. We are. And a special shout-out again to Austin Hansen for helping produce this audio all through the years. And, Ian, mm-hmm. it's such a pleasure to host this with you. We've got some great positive feedback here at AirVenture with folks that have come by to say hello. And so awesome. saying hello to us is uh, meaningful. We want those questions. We want you all to be involved. Great point, Devin. Join us when you can in the audio or on the video. But thanks again, and I'm going to sign off from EAA AirVenture here at the AOPA campus at Oshkosh. All right. We'll see you next time. Thanks, David. See ya. Hangar Talk from AOPA, your freedom to fly.